Kia ora, you're listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.5 FM. 106 point what? One, <laughs> 106.1 FM. <laughs> Just in case anyone. <laughs> you're at the right place. Yeah, <laughs> you've made it. Um, I'm Jessie. I'm Perrine. Um, and today we're being joined by two wonderful groups um, doing great things in Wellington. Um, in the second half, I'm speaking to Hannah Higgison about Ōtaki Summer Camp. Ooh. Yeah. And that's that's all going ahead this year? Yeah, yeah. Cool. They're looking into how to make it, you know, as steadfast as it possibly could be in this time. Yeah, nice. Mm. Cool. Well, another thing going ahead this year is Verb, the Wellington Writers' Festival. And so in the first half of the show, we have some writers from the Crip the Lit Collective come along. This Saturday, they've got a show, Writing Resistance, The Problem with Fairy Tales, which is takes on ableism in fairy tales. So I would like to welcome to the studio Al Gray and Erin Donoghue. Kia ora. Kia ora. Thank you for coming along. Um, can we start off, oh, just for our listeners, last year we had um, Trish and Helen from Crypt the Lip come along and they talked about, um, they talked so... <laughs> so eloquently about their show and their writing lives last year. They got in touch this year and said, oh, can we come on again? I was like, yes, let's do it. Um, So can you start by telling us a little bit about, could you just maybe describe what Crip the Lit is doing or trying to do as a collective and then maybe how you both got involved? Maybe you can start with you, Al. Yeah, um yeah. Crip the Lit was uh, set up several years ago to foster and encourage and celebrate the voice of disabled writers. Um, and they've done different things over the years. And this time around, it's a um, looking at fairy tales and challenging the stereotypes and the sort of the accuracy of the, the characters versus the fairy tale character and the real life character. Um, I got involved by, I've been doing some work with Mandy Hager, who is going to be the uh, the panel convener, that's not the right word, but the, um, the leader of the session asking the questions. Um, I've been working with her on my own, with my own novel, which is taking the Snow White story and turning it on its head, because um, this is radio, so you can't see, but I'm a little person, a dwarf. Um, and so I have a bit, like to think I have an insight into Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, and so she was, she was on the panel um, looking for panellists and obviously she knew that I was writing this novel and it sort of works out quite nicely together that they're both challenging stereotypes of disability in story and... Yeah. Yeah. So this is your first involvement with yes, Crypt the Lid. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. What about you, Erin? This is also my first involvement. So I know Trish Harris. We're both published by Escalator Press and I did the Federea um publishing oh, diploma great. and worked on her poetry collection. Um so she just approached me and asked me about this. I'd obviously heard of Crypt the Lit before and familiar with some of the stuff that they did, but this was the 
first time I was I'm involved with it. Yeah. Okay, so you both got headhunted. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Feels nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I was going to ask you a bit about um, the types of writing you do and how being involved in this group has kind of developed you as a writer. Maybe the second part of the question hasn't quite happened yet, but Mm. um, could, could you tell us a bit about, yeah, the type of writing that you do? Let me start with you, Erin. Um, So I have written a young adult novel um, that was published in 2017 based on my own experience with mental illness in high school. Um, So, What's the name of your novel? Because Everything is Right But Everything is Wrong. Um, Great title. Yeah, (laughs) I love a long title. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I wrote that while I was on the Fiterea creative writing program and I've written another young adult novel um, as well. But at the moment I'm kind of focusing on um, essays, personal essays, memoir style essays um, and poetry and wondering if I can put together a collection maybe of a mix of poetry and essays um, about mental illness and it's been interesting to look at that through a disability lens which it often kind of gets left out of that disability um the umbrella of disability I guess but yeah I'm thinking about that more now yeah Mm. yeah and maybe yeah conversations with people in the collective can give you some insights and or other perspectives yeah definitely Hmm. What about your writing, Al? Um, I, I suppose I've always written, um, whether it's song lyrics or poetry or something. You know, just as a as a way to get feelings down on paper, and rather than bouncing around inside your head all the time. Um, and yeah, I've I've always uh, growing up a dwarf and growing up with um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as well. The fairy fairy tale that sort of everyone went to when they met me, when they saw me. Um, so I was always aware of it, and I always sort of wondered about it as a as a story. You know how how seven men came to be living in a forest, you know, in the middle of um, wherever. Um, and actually, part of my life was, uh, you know, I've been a teacher. I'm no longer a teacher now. I'm a librarian, but I was a primary teacher for a while, and. Uh, going into new classes and that that was the they met me for the first time as a dwarf and that I might be the first dwarf that they ever met and their connection other their only other connection perhaps was the snow white dwarfs which are sort of made up in fairy tale and have weird silly names and here was yeah. Mr Gray who was a teacher who happened to be a dwarf so I sort of wanted to write the get this story out about you know, just sort of putting a, a more realistic slant on the Snow White story um, tale, and you know the, the Seven Dwarves and the escaping from evil and stepmothers and sort of things. So yeah, I've just spent a bit of time doing that, but writing from a dwarf's point of view. So there aren't seven male characters either in the dwarves because that just did my head in. It's a lot. So, there's a lot of men to be in one place at one time. So I've actually 
made it a family of little people, which in the real world, there are families of little people out there. Mum, dad, kids, all little people, you know, and um, uh, you go to uh, little people conventions both here and overseas, and there they are living their lives as professional people, you know, nurses, teachers, whatever. And the kids are growing up, you know, doing everything that kids do with a little help every now and then. So, yeah, the story is, um, it's still set in, in sort of medieval times, um, but written from a more realistic point of view. Mm. As, you know, there's, there, there, and again, there's a family of little people. There's, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's seven mentioned, but not all seven are, <laughs> are there. Mm. It's, yeah, I guess that just leads me to wondering, are you feeling, do you feel kind of constrained in this topic or is it a kind of quite fun exploration of um, of something that kind of floats around? And <laughs> yeah, it's another, it's, it's another part of just showing people that people with disabilities of whatever you know mine's obvious because when you meet me you see straight away that I'm a dwarf um, other people's disabilities aren't so obvious but it's just another a way that I've done over the years of showing people that you know um, here's another point of view you know rather and that's the whole point of this um, thing on Saturday that we're doing the, the problem with fairy tales is the fairy tales Quite often, the, the disabled characters in them are seen from a negative point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seen as somebody to feel sorry for, or they, you know, if, if Beauty and the Beast, the Beast becomes handsome, but why can't the Beast remain <laughs> a Beast and still, you know, live a, a, a you know, um, a normal life? So that's yeah, it's turning that around. And this, you know, this story and this. Um, this um, problem with fairy tales thing is just another way of pointing out that disabled people, you know, there's a lot of... It's turning it on its head and looking mm. at the positives, basically. Yeah. So that my story is another way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Erin, can I ask you, do you feel like that you have some kind of... I don't know if I want to say, like burden of education for, <laughs> for to the world or is it what you want to be writing anyway um I think it's what I write naturally because it's what's happening in my life so I often write about mental illness or my health problems or whatever because that's what's happening I do sometimes wonder if I'm like can only write about that <laughs> because I that's t- what I tend to write about but um I don't feel I don't feel like I have a, a burden or anything like that yeah I feel comfortable and it feels quite natural to be writing about it yeah oh nice um yeah, so I guess going more directly onto the kind of um, writing resistance the, the show that you're doing this Saturday, um, you've talked a little bit about what you're trying to achieve with this. Um, why do you think it's important to challenge these fairy tales that have been just floating around forever? Because they've been floating around forever. <laughs> because we get like taught them at such a young age and... 
I think it's really interesting to look at what they teach us and what then we carry with us into adulthood as we grow and and the things that we see in fairy tales um, reflected in society, like these attitudes about disabled characters or gender roles or that kind of stuff that is reflected in society that's ingrained in us for at such a young age we don't even realize it yeah when you when you give i mean i when you give the snow white characters names like dopey and grumpy and you know happy and doc doc's interesting because he has a sort of some sort of profession behind him you know <laughs> but um it, it's it's just really interesting just Again, it's that sort of ne- negative stereotype. And growing up, that the people who met me associated me with these negative stereotypes. Whereas, um, and I, I don't know if you've heard of Peter Dinklage, the, the little he's a dwarf actor mm. over in the states Game and of Game of Thrones. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> and it's been fascinating for me as a dwarf. Um, now I no longer have to deal with, oh, are you dopey? You know, and and those sorts of very stereotypical things, which people do. I mean, I do. You know, you make stereotypes of, of different people. But now the stereotype is they see me, and when they're not um, confusing me for Peter Dinklage, which happens weirdly, um, <laughs> we're both short and dwarf, so we must be the same people. Um, but when they're not doing that, you can see them, because Peter Dinklage, his character on Game of Thrones, is a real person who just happens to be a dwarf. You know, he's Tyrion Lannister or whatever. And it's really just I'm noticing the perspectives of the public has changed towards me Hmm. because the only other dwarf they know is this pretty cool Hmm. character on, you know, Tyrion Lannister. So that's that's where this thing comes in. It's just pointing out that, like, as you said earlier, that it's dispelling these myths Hmm. that have have always been there, that I've grown up with. It teaches us a lot that we don't realise we're learning from yeah. those kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just, you know, to make people think, oh, yeah, okay, right. Mm. I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. You know, that way. And also, can we imagine better stories now? Mm. And can we come up with ones that better reflect the kind of world we want to live in? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it brings you kind of to the question of like, why do these stories exist? Are they to teach us things or purely mm. entertain us or just because they've always been there. Am I right in the... Oh, I have kind of been working under the assumption that fairy tales means that kind of Hans Christian Andersen vibe yeah. of European yeah. style. Okay, so you haven't kind of looked at stories from, you know, old stories from other cultures beyond those no, ones. mostly those fairy tales that we grew up with. Yeah. And, I mean, those are the ones that are yeah. more pervasive yeah. <laughs> in, in the world I grew up in, for sure. Um, we've heard a little bit about what Al's going to be talking hmm. about on Saturday. Do you feel like giving us a teaser, Erin? You don't sure. have to. <laughs> I um, am also looking at Snow White, <laughs> which I wondered if... It's, I think it's interesting that we can pull so much from just one... Um, tale but something that I find really interesting is the evil queen and her quite clear (laughs) obsessive and unhealthy 
mental state and at one point she is referred to as mad and um, crazy. And so I've rewritten Snow White from the point of view of the Queen um, and kind of imagined a world where we are better at treating and noticing mm-hmm. mental illness and how that story might play out differently if she had had help or someone who said something. Yeah. 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 So quite a compassionate take yeah. on it. Yeah. Yes. Empathetic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously it will be different perspectives, but I think, was it Margaret Atwood who had, she did maybe some retellings of tales like this? Or what's the name of the... <laughs> Anyway, oh, <laughs> Jeanette Winterson maybe? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. There's various retellings yeah. Yeah. Over, the, over the years. Um, I mean, my point of view is that all, all of these tales... Uh, no matter how noble the endeavour is, they're not written by people with disabilities. Yeah. You know, they're written by, um, like the Hans Christian, you know, Anderson, you know, a, a, a white male from the distant past, from, from mm. his point of view, sort of thing. Which he so, probably stole the stories from. Exactly. You know, and, and the well. Grimm, I mean, the Grimm's, you know, the Brothers Grimm, they gathered the stories from listening to, you know, people. So, you know, I mean, the stories sort of came out of, you know, lessons to be told you yeah. know, and taught to children, yeah. you know, sort of growing up and those sorts of things. But, but you know, that's that's the thing. And that's why the Crypt the Lit is, you know, one of the focus is writing about disability by a disabled person mm. or or a, or a differently abled is a, an, another way of you know because we're all you know yeah. we've got we all have the same sort of writing ability but you know so or abilities and some things in life bring you extra levels of insight exactly and the people say you know write about what you know yeah you know and all these people writing about <laughs> just very well you know yeah. but they you know that, that that's you know the we're we're writing from from the point of view of people who are at you know about things mm. that we're actually dealing with so yeah you know hopefully that makes a difference mm. so um, I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if you're ready to answer this or not but I guess I'm wondering if um, assuming you are going to carry on working with Cryptolit after this show, have you kind of been involved in other conversations or do you kind of know what Cryptolit is planning on next or is that not something, is that what, that's not where we're at right now? No. no. Not really. We're just <laughs> Focus focusing on Saturday. On Saturday yeah. Really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I I like the idea behind, and, and if, I mean, you know, we, we've had one meeting about yeah. this with, with the other panel and with Trish and Robin. And even then, you know, just the conversation that was going yeah. around was, I thought, okay, this is really interesting because it was talking about writing and, yeah. and an idea was thrown away, thrown out there straight away to help somebody else with, you know, with their writing. So I think, yeah, it's worth yeah. continuing on with. Yeah. Have either of you been involved in a writer's collective before? Or arts? No. No. Okay. No. Um, so moving on to Verb this year, obviously the festival's a bit different. Have you guys been in previous years? No, I've known about events? it, but I haven't really no, taken much I've notice. I've been in the Auckland Writers' Festival, ah, but okay. not 
down here. Yeah. yeah. Are you new to Wellington? No. Okay. <laughs> I've lived in Wellington my whole life. <laughs> but we haven't invited you to our no. festivals yet or you haven't said yes yet. Um, all right. So this will be your first time. Are you going to go to any other events in the um, over the course of the festival? Certainly have a look at them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different things going on and they keep popping up in uh, yeah. you know, various media. Like, Ooh, there's so many. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I would like to go to the Starling launch, which is oh, a yeah. journal for under 25s because they always have some great poetry there. They um, do. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, and I guess just in our last couple of minutes... Um, I'd be yeah I guess I'm curious about about your reading and writing lives and if they've kind of um how they've been this year I know for myself I've read about half the books this year than I'd normally have read Mm. and I don't know if I can blame the outside world on that (laughs) or not but um yeah I guess has um has your writing practice changed you know in the post-covid world or other influences as well Mm. I think I've read more this year because I've discovered audiobooks and that's <laughs> been like a way more accessible way for me to, like I find it hard to sit down and read the words and make the sentence go into my head, but um, being able to listen to them has been really great. So I've actually read way more books than I have, well, read way more books than I have in past years. Um, writing, I have done very little writing this year, but I'm hoping to do more now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. It's interesting. I wrote my two novels on the creative writing course, so I had a very structured um, kind of timeline and workshops with the class, and and it was really beneficial. And it's a lot harder to do it without that external like accountability and like other writers to help you that's so beneficial to have people tell you what's not working so and what is working and what (laughs) what is working um so maybe I need to find myself a a writing group I know Fleur Beale has a workshop as part of the um festival on young adult writing and maybe I need a workshop to get Mm. me back into it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, what about you Al yeah, I know the um, from my point of view, it's the you know lockdown and working from home. I've, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a librarian um, at the National Library here in Wellington, and um, so in lockdown we can work from home. You know, um, it's reasonably sort of easy, but it just means that then you're spending all day, you know, at work at home on the computer and then you think oh I'll go to write and it's exactly the same yeah, it's just more time <laughs> place, on the computer. you know but again mm-hmm. it's more time on the computer which you don't always fancy doing yeah. you know yeah. so I it's, find that yeah. I'm working at home as well and I just want to like leave my computer as soon as I finish work it's hard to get back into it yeah, yeah so that work-life balance that they talk about it's it's actually quite important you, know? <laughs> and you can go to work and do your work and then leave it and then come home and here's your writing space. Yeah. yeah. At the moment it's a sort of muddled bit of both. Yeah, need to protect that sanctuary a, exactly. a bit. Yeah. 
Um, cool. So shall we just finish up the details for the show on Saturday? Mm-hmm. It's at the National Library, isn't yeah, it? at 2pm, <laughs> I think, yeah. All right. And there are still tickets available yeah. if people want to go onto the Verve website and get them, yep. I believe. Yep, yep. 2 till 3 o'clock on Saturday the 6th in the auditorium at the National Library. Yes, and we got, I did get a message today from Trish or Robin saying that we had a couple of giveaways that we could give to listeners of B-Side Stories. So oh, cool. we will be doing that via our Facebook page. Awesome. But um, that's very exciting. Cool. We don't often yeah. get freebies on here. It's, really cool. But um, it sounds like a really great sh- show, piece. Panel. Panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. it will be good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you both so Thank much. Thank you. Thank you.